this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, this one, well, it was brought to us by the union with much consternation. Don't know why. <laughs> this is our July album tournament winner and uh we had six really good albums we'll get into the what they were but it was funny because this album that won was was leading pretty early and i was like okay well that's cool and then there was like we must take down this band (laughs) and everybody started voting for other bands but i don't think they consolidated their votes into one band so we had a classic third party issue where by not <laughs> consolidating behind one candidate, right. they spread the votes out and the, the one that they didn't want to win won, which is why I remember kids in electoral politics, it's a horse race. You get one or the other. Yep. We don't Good have lesson. instant runoff voting. Right. Or rank choice. Or rank choice or... Or any of those fun things that other people have in other places, or they're uh, you know more democratically uh, inclined. Let's not get into the politics of uh, of the modern world, Jay. Let's talk about what were our, our July picks. Do you uh, do you have all those? I have some of them. Um, let's see. What was our? Come on, Patreon. So yeah, you gonna go through them all? Should we or should we just go through the final six? What do you it's want to a do? Lot. It is a lot. So let's go. <laughs> so, so, so we're doing nine, nine, nine. So what that's 27. Yes, good math. And then there's a runoff. Yeah. So there's 27 to go through. Exactly. Let's just go to the last one. So off, out of those three rounds of nine, we pulled two albums from each and ended up with the finale of scenery and fish by i mother earth the self-titled album by pluto new pop sunday by sponge king of the road by fu manchu that's what love songs do by fig dish and viva dixie submarine transmission plot by sparkle horse and yes well i practiced that (laughs) oh if you put some spaces in there it's not so hard right Willie Dillon suggested I'm Mother Earth, Quile Bittner suggested Pluto, Richard Waterman suggested Sponge, Adam Smith suggested King of the Road, Jeff Gentis suggested, or not King of the Road, Fu Manchu, Jeff Gentis suggested Fig, Fig Dish, and Willie Dillon suggested Sparkle. So Willie Dillon had two picks. You know, if this was Vegas, you got to put your money on Willie, because <laughs> he's got two picks in the final six. Yeah. And yet, that's not how it went. Uh, the, what did you think about the. Uh sort of the range of selections we end up we ended up with out of the initial 27. So this was interesting because three of these bands we've already talked about and one of them we've talked about twice. Mm-hmm. We've done a Sparkle Hearts episode, we've done an I Mother Earth episode and we've done two Sponge episodes. So if I'm being completely honest, those were the least interesting to me. Yeah. The most interesting was Pluto cuz I don't remember that record at all. I think right. you have it on CD? No. Maybe? Oh, okay. I don't think so. Uh, I thought maybe that was one of those random ones that you picked up here. <laughs> I mean, I could, but I mean, the, right. the album cover looks familiar. Maybe I do. Um, so Pluto was the most interesting than Fig Dish and Fu Manchu because we had never done episodes. Yeah. Uh, is that your thinking as well? Or do you like going back to the same band to see how they change or evolve? Uh, sometimes there's sometimes there's a band where we don't review the record that I really liked and I'm looking forward to going back. In this case, I wouldn't have hated going back to that Sponge record because I remember at the time kind of being impressed by it. Mm-hmm. And more out of curiosity, I'd be 
wanting to see if it holds up. I don't know that the other Sparkle Horse record is different enough to get me excited. I mean, I like it. I like all their stuff, but I like, wasn't exactly like super excited about that one. Um, and same thing with I'm Weather Earth. I don't, I would be surprised if it's that different than the other record we reviewed, but hey, you never know. Yeah, same. Uh, and the voting sort of, I think, ju- People felt the same way about Sponge. It only got 5% of the vote. Yeah. So people were like, yeah, I don't need another Sponge. We've done two. You, sure. you know, that's fine. Uh, Pluto came in with 7%. I was surprised. I thought that might get more votes just because it's, it's such a, you know, not it's not in the same sort of known territory as a lot of these bands. Right. Um, then Sparkle Horse with 17 I Mother Earth with 20%. Fig Dish with 24 late, late charging but didn't catch fu manchu with 27 percent of the vote so it won but with you know barely a, th- a, qu- a, th- a quarter of the of the vote so when last we recorded i mentioned another canadian band might win that would mm-hmm. have been i'm or the earth uh they ended up coming in third so yeah i was wrong so let me ask I shouldn't ask. You're familiar with Fu Manchu, right? This is not a new band for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have Do you have records of theirs? Um, I don't know that I own anything on CD. I was more into at that point. I I got into them in the early 2000s, I think. Okay. And at that point, I was starting to my CD purchases were beginning to wane. Um, right. But I've listened to several of their records and very familiar with them. Do you remember when you first heard them? Because I have a very clear memory of the first time I went, what is this? No, I remember some mutual friends being into them. Mm-hmm. Um, Same people that are in the clutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, We Must Obey and Start the Machine, I think, were the records that I really, like, listened to when they came out. And then I went back and... I listened to this and the action is go and but I don't remember the first moment. Tell me about. So I have a very clear memory. It was at WFAL, our college radio station in the 90s. Okay. And the album In Search Of came out. It's 1996. So this is like right in the middle of my college career here, working at the radio station. And the single uh is asphalt rising for that album and that's yeah. what we had in rotation and i don't know if it was in regular rotation but we also remember we had a metal specialty show yeah. and they used to play it and every once in a while i would take something out of the metal stacks and i would even if i didn't know what it was i would just play things just to hear because i was doing that was when i was doing like a midnight to 3 a.m show or something so like i didn't always stick to format let's put it that way you you were dabbling in metal you're like i was dabbling what is yeah. this metal music Dude, I, w- I went to Catholic school for nine years. I thought ACDC were literally the devil. <laughs> I hear you. You know. I hear you. I'm Catholic. I like get it. Like Antichrist, something yep. Christ, like something like that. Like right. I, I was terrified of, of hard rock and metal and people, jean jackets and Metallica. It's not like now where everybody's like, Metallica's awesome. Let's, oh, yeah, let's yeah. talk about Metallica. Like, no, 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 no. I was terrified yeah, of yeah. Metallica in That was a real grade. thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Satanic Panic and all that. So I... I I looked at this sticker and it said uh, single is Asphalt Rising and I played it and I was like uh, this is the heaviest music I've <laughs> ever heard in my life. I was like I didn't know a guitar could sound like that. Um, so that was the first time was sitting alone in the radio station hearing that riff for Asphalt Rising and just being like holy crap. It wasn't until a couple years later that I actually started getting into the records. It was around the time of, of um the 2000s when i was listening to like heavier stoner rock because the queens of the stone age like they were like the gateway in the early 2000s with when uh rated r came out yeah because then you heard queens of the stone age like oh this is cool like what's this sound and then you would pick up like you know the big takeover or whatever magazine and you would see like if you like this you probably should listen to fu manchu and some of these other bands sleep and what what have you monster magnet so i got I got the CDs around the time they came out for King of the Road and California Crossing. 
Um, so I was familiar with this record going into this. And um, those two are like my favorite. And then I went back and checked out The Action Is Go, which is the 97 album and In Search Of. Now there's been, we can talk about it a little bit of history of this band, but there's been lineup changes throughout uh, the history of this band. History of the band. So they were originally a hardcore punk, uh, hardcore punk band formed in 1985 called Virul- Virulence. Um, it was Ken Pucci on vocals, Scott Hill on guitar, Mark Abshire on bass, and Ruben Romano on drums. Abshire left in 87. He was replaced by Greg McCaughey. Uh, they recorded an album, and it was released in 1989 called If This Isn't a Dream. Pucci then left the band and was replaced by Glenn Chivins on vocals. And when that happened, they changed their name to Fu Manchu with the new vocalist. Um, they released a seven-inch single. Um, McCaughey then left, and Absher came back. And then Chivins, the vocalist, left. And Scott Hill was like fed up of looking for a vocalist. He's like, screw it, I'm just going to start singing now. And that's where like the modern Fu Manchu starts is when Scott Hill starts singing um, after that first seven inch. Uh, and then they brought in Scott Vota as a guitarist. He played on some seven inches. He left the band replaced by Eddie Glass on guitar. And he was in the band um, up until I guess the action is go. He left after the in, in 96. Um, so on 97, that's where you get, um, who's basically been the guitarist since then, Bob Balch or Balch. Uh, he's been from 96 on, he's been the guitarist. Now, also in 96, Ruben Romano left and those two guys, Vota and Romano, I believe went on to form Nebula. So Romano was replaced by one Brant Bjork. He plays drums up until 2002, I think. So I think it's California Crossing is the last album that Brent Bjork's on. And then after that, Scott Reeder, who is a different Scott Reeder than the one who was in <laughs> Caius. He's the drummer on Start the Machine and, every, and then everything going forward. So the early, basically the first like 10 years of the band, there's a, there's a couple of lineup changes. And then around 2002, they lock in, and for the last twenty years, it's been the same four guys. And we're pretty primed for this record. We've we've reviewed Brent Bjork, we've reviewed Caius, Clutch, mm-hmm. Sleep, and we've even done a Desert Rock in the nineties. Masters genre. of Reality, Monster Magnet. Yeah. yeah, we've we've covered a lot of the bases for for this record. And um, let's get into what our our commenters had to say about this final poll. Darren Leach said, "Foo gets my vote." Kyle Bittner said, as fond as I am with the majority of these albums here, sponge aside, my pick goes to Pluto. Maybe that can be your next pick, Kyle, when it comes up. Whitney Biller said, I like a number of these albums here, and I thought I was going to cast my vote for Fig Dish, but I'm going to go with I'm Mother Earth because it's an interesting album that I like a lot. I think it'll generate some fun discussion. David Gorgo said, Fu Manchu didn't sound like a 90s band, so they're my oddball choice. Scott Wood said, glad Foo is still alive. That's true. They actually, so 2020 was supposed to be their 30th anniversary. Obviously that got delayed because of the pandemic and they put out in the last year, like this year and last year, part one and part two of their 30th anniversary EPs, which feature two new songs and then a cover on each. The first one featured a cover of taking it to the streets, which yeah. is, this is not a band you expect to cover that song, <laughs> but they make it a sludgy heavy yeah. song. And then the new one, uh, there was another cover, but this band is famous. I don't say famous, but they do a lot of covers. Yeah. Like this album features a cover. Um, their Godzilla cover is awesome on a EP that they put out. They do a cover of Van Halen's DOA. Uh, that's super heavy. A bunch of other ones, like a lot of seven inches and EPs always have a, an extra cover on them. So that's something I always enjoy about this band. Ian McIver says, I have to agree with Darren. Uh, Scenery and Fish is no sophomore slump and would be a great follow-up to the Dig review from a few years ago. Willie Dillon, as long as I'm Mother Earth, Fig Dish, or Sparkle Horse wins, I'm happy. 
again, you got to consolidate those vote those votes. More dis- you got to have more backroom discussion <laughs> with with cigars, poorly lit, ta- you know, wooden tables. Darren Svetson, come on, I Mother Earth, it's neck and neck in the last hours. It was, it was very close. Bill Davidson said, surprised to see Sponge finish last. I thought it'd be Pluto, the band that got my vote. And I and I actually responded, it might be Sponge fatigue. <laughs> And then Kyle Bittner responded after the vote, this should be a great discussion, Weird Beard Rocks, uh, which is a song title for people who are yeah. have not heard this record. Let's get into it, Jay. Let's talk about one thing that worked for us on King of the Road by Fu Manchu. Oh, I, I forgot to mention, this came out in 2000. It was recorded in 1999. It, was, it came out in 2000. This, this gets in because of the Marvelous 3 rule. That's which is you have to have albums released in the 90s. That was the first appearance of that rule. Um, it was released on Mammoth Records and it was produced by Joe Baresi, who's worked with a ton of people like Caius, Melvin's, Tool, Chevelle, Queens of the Stone Age, Coheed and Cambria, Jesus Lizard. Like, this is his area of expertise. Um, and they recorded this live in the studio. So, nice. as a band, yep. Uh, what what name one thing that worked for you? Well, what, what works for me is the same thing that works for me on all their records. Uh, I, I guess they they have a sound, they have an attitude, they have a they just have a vibe that's an unique ethos, to them. Man. That yeah, even though they're part of I guess a you know a subgenre of metal. Um. I think they are very unique within that. I don't think you would just mistake them for some, you know, if you were, you know, if you're halfway knowledgeable about music and sampling different bands in this genre, you would not mistake them for any of the other bands. And I think that is mostly because of the vocals. Uh, They're very, they're very like chill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know they're they're like melodic and almost half spoken but uh they just have this cool chill confidence to them they're not they can be aggressive and the band can be aggressive but it's never angry um it's more coming from like a california skate culture energy versus a like you know pantera i want to smash your skull <laughs> um kind of place uh, I love the, this is also a band where imagery is so important. The name is so important. Like it just, it all creates like this seventies nostalgia soaked California vibe um, where it's just, you know, positive, but also like I mentioned, aggressive. Uh, it can be super chill and groovy. Uh, it can be powerful. You know, you can be banging your head. You could also kind of be grooving on some songs. They handle changing tempos really well, too. You know, some of the songs are like how on wheels, you know, can be blistering fast, drive, gets the tempo up. But they can also drop it and just get into this fuzzy doubt, you know, I guess Sabbathy groove, even though I, mm-hmm. they tend to maybe not play in minors as much, you know, things sound heavy. Yeah. But there's a, there's like a major feel to it overall where it's a little bit more, uh, I don't know, brighter sounding, optimistic sounding, a little less evil, um, which is also unique in the genre. 
Um, it's fun. You know, it's, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what to me distinguishes them. It's a, it's just a good fun listen. Anytime I put on one of their records, I know what I'm in store for. Uh, it's their brand of this music. You can tell they're having a good time. Um, and it, it just, it, it, it's exuded lyrically in the riffs, in the vocals, and even the drums. I guess the last thing I'll mention is again, in this, Hello. Hey. <laughs> How's that freedom grid? Oh my God, I'm basking in freedom over here. <clears throat> to do with all the freedom, freedom I'm experiencing right now. I have the freedom not to be on the internet. Amazing. All right. Well, uh, Jay's back in in um, limited form. All right. Okay. You were making your final point about food. We're making it happen here. We're making it happen here. My final point was I I have always liked the sound of this band because the even though they use the heavy uh, fuzz, which I'm just think of it as the the muffs big muff sound, which is super saturated. It's got tons of low end and tons of mid. Uh typically when bands do that, the vocal has a struggles um to cut through and the bass and the drums sometimes even struggle to cut through you end up with just this you know just wall of of fuzz and they just they've always done a great job of, of not letting that happen even though the singer isn't screaming or doing anything super aggressive the vocals always there super up front uh the drums are punchy you can hear the bass clanking around you know you hear the whole band which i think Again, it's not just about the guitars. It's about, you know, the whole band and, and how they play together. And um, there's some cool drum intros on this record, drum breaks. So it's, I think, just all around a good band record. And I think it sounds awesome. What worked for you? Well, everything that you said encompasses everything I agree with. And I love that this band has such a a very... um definite understanding of who they are their image the artwork lyrics everything just locks in together perfectly on this record and i read where um scott hill said basically they sing about um about skateboards about cars and about science fiction and i'm like those are three of my favorite things. Like, so of course this works right. for me. Like I right. can't skateboard, but I think it's awesome. Like I totally watch skateboard videos and yeah, you know, I think Tony Hawk is awesome and stuff like that. Um, and I love, you know, as a kid who grew up first in Western New York and then in cent in central Ohio, well, or Northeast Ohio, then central Ohio. Um, I have no understanding of this culture of like, skateboarding yeah. out in california and custom vans and low riders and like that is all completely foreign to me so i find it fascinating because when i put this record on like i want to headbang and and like google the car trader to find a van that i can customize and <laughs> throw a van halen logo a logo on the side like that's yeah. what this band does to me like it, it puts me in a completely different headspace which you know, some albums do that, but they don't like, they don't paint that picture so clearly for you. You know, sometimes it's just like a mellow feeling or an aggressive feeling, but like, I, I, I can see the wardrobe of this, of this <laughs> album. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It is so um, well thought out. And I don't think it's like in a phony way. I think these are just, they're authentic selves. And this particular album's album happens to be really, really focused. Uh, whereas some of the other albums, they you know, not everything is about. It's clearly about all of this. Where I think like this record and California Crossing, and even the one before Action Is Go, like they're just so clearly um, at the peak of their powers, and um, 
the skill of all of them playing together, like I, I think it really took me a long time to understand like how good a rhythm player Brant Bjork is because he, he plays in the pocket in a way that like, it's so groovy, but it's still heavy. It's so hard to combine those things. And when I saw, um, you know, the bands that do the, the where, what's in my bag or the artist for Amoeba music, where they talk about the records that they bought at the record store. There's one with Fu yep. Manchu and Scott Hill says, you know, a lot of people think that we're influenced by Sabbath. He's like, well, that's an influence, but the, the real big influence is when black flag started doing like heavy, like stuff and getting away from mm. hardcore. And then there was a band called blast. It's like B L apostrophe a s t and they were like an 80s hardcore band that then also like slowed down started playing heavier and i he they played a clip of them and i was like oh my gosh that's what this is this is like the like the offspring of hardcore when it when it went in a a different direction version of conformity would get all in that camp too right exactly yep 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 and um uh funny uh note pepper keenan and the um bases from fu manchu both tried out for metallica when jason newstead left along with uh along with chris wise and twiggy ramirez Mm -hmm. and and obviously robert trujulio who actually got the gig um so you know this is an album i'm super familiar with i i put this on and I grabbed my guitar and I played along with it because I actually like learned to play drop D riffs listening to these records at the end of the 90s. Cause like I was a really crappy nice. guitar player in the mid 90s, yeah. just learning chords and stuff like that. And then I was like, wait, you can tune this string down to D. And if you do that, man, <laughs> it is it is so fun to play along to this record, especially like the riffs on Drive and Over the Edge, King of the Road. they're just in a way they're so sure of themselves and yes they've adjusted the sound here and there but not drastically it's really more production i think and the fact that they've changed drummers um mid-career uh they're sort of like the american acdc in a way because Hmm. they they stick to a very clear ideology as a band you know you don't hear them like Really, one of the first experimental things that they did was on their last full-length album, was it Clone of the Universe, where they have, like, the first side is five songs, and then the second side of the album is just one 18-minute long song, and Alex Lifeson of Rush plays on it. That's really, like, one of the few times they've done anything outside the box. Usually it's just three to five-minute riffs, guitar solos, leads. You know, occasionally you'll get a key change. Sometimes they do that at the end of the song. Yeah. It's very yeah. classic rock type of thing to do there. Um, yeah. And I like the fact that they will allow the bass and drums to carry parts of songs. Like, I think that they let the songs breathe is what helps make it so it's not a relentless. Yeah. Whereas, like, you listen to Sleep. And it's relentless, and that can kind of tire your ear after a while, sure. especially if it's one song that's 45 minutes. Yeah, they bring the more of a traditional 70s, late 70s dynamic to the writing. You know, the, 
lot of the courses have two parts. They write pre-choruses. Like you said, they throw in key changes at the end, or sometimes they give one of the songs on here. It's in the solo. There's a key change. Mm-hmm. Lots of do a lot of like dropping guitars out during the verses or changing up the riff to, you know, be simpler. A lot of dynamic stuff going on here that, you know, maybe you're not going to hear from some of their peers that just go back to just radio album friendly late 70s early 80s classic rock i think the hidden you know secret weapon that maybe people don't talk about because the guitars are so awesome the riffs the attitude is that scott hill comes up with some really catchy hooks like king of the road says you move too slow like how if you were driving in your car i'm guaranteeing you're getting a speeding (laughs) ticket listen to that song like you it feels it feels, and I, it's probably not true, but it feels like the song gets slightly faster as it moves through the song. So, like, the end of it is so manic. It feels like it's, a, a, like, five, you know, um, BPM faster than whenever it started. Yeah. But it's it's just that energy. It's the same thing, Hell on Wheels and, um, and Drive. Like, they're just so propulsive. It's smart because they, these aren't, they don't overstay their welcome with any of these songs. There's only two songs over five minutes and one's just barely over. Yeah. It's you know. not overindulgent. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is, this is, um, I mean, part of their appeal is drug culture, um, as well, but, and I get why some of those bands, you know, get jammy and heady and, uh, but they don't, they don't do that very often. You know, there's a mom there's moments here and there maybe, but they're trying to write pops type metal songs, you know. Yeah. They're trying to adhere to that formula. And actually on the next record, they they challenged themselves to write all the songs in the three minute range, and every one but one is uh three minutes. The one that's over is is four ten, and that's Mongoose, which is one of my favorite Fu Manchu songs. It's the one that starts yeah. with all those individual percussions. Sounds like uh, Lowrider. <laughs> I I love love when that riff comes in on that song. It's it's got such a great groove. Um, but anyway, getting back to this record, uh, yeah, there. I mean, it's strange to me to look back and see the reviews because there are, are no like f- five out of five stars. It is all four sure. out of four stars, three out of four, three and a half seven out of 10. And I guess if you just don't buy into it, like what they're doing, then maybe yeah. you won't really see the genius of what's happening. Yeah. I, I think they they also run the risk of, they don't take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. And sometimes critics, I think, you know, uh, or for whatever reason, tend to be more harsh on bands that have an attitude like that. Um, they're incredibly confident in what they're doing. Yeah. And part of it is like having fun and not taking themselves too seriously. And right. I think that's just can be an easy target um, sometimes for reviewers. Uh, I mean, we can be a little bit controversial here. I know the fans of, it seems like the fans of this band and clutch can overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like Clutch is always critically reviewed, and at least from what I've heard compared to this band, I've always liked this band much more. Yeah, um, me too. In the ways that I don't know, Clutch, the Clutch record we reviewed, it, it just was kind of monotonous and to me boring. And it's just there's nothing amazing going on from a riff standpoint when you break it down, right? I mean, you just said you've learned most of the guitar parts on this record. Oh yeah, but there's something about the way that's constructed and the way the two parts are done and the tones and how they bring it all together that makes it special. Yeah, this is, you know, it's it's deceptively easy in the way that ACDC is deceptively easy because yeah. what happens is, yes, I can play the riffs, but it's the nuances in actually how you play those riffs. And, you know, I'm here and I'm like this. I'm like strumming really hard. <laughs> right, right, Scott right, right. Hill is barely moving his finger because he, yeah. it, he knows how to control those sounds. Um, and there are some great ones like in Boogie Van when they use the slide. 
I, I absolutely love that sound. effect on it too right yeah yeah it's yeah. a super cool sound there's a lot of cool sounds on this record uh just the the effects i love the um uh the phased out guitar and blue tile fever i love um what's the what's the one that has the drum fill at the beginning that has a phaser on it grass chopper yeah that's awesome like i think what's those sounds the imagery some of the lyrical content you touched on it earlier but i just want to underscore it the growing up in the midwest in a place like ohio (laughs) it's mostly flat it's snowing you know 75 percent of the year or terrible weather like you just California culture was just, it was everywhere. I mean, it was in all the cool movies, all the cool TV shows. And it was at the mall, PacSun. Yep. Right. And the, all the fashion we wore was California brands, either skate or surf oriented. Having a mongoose and, bike was like the high end. Like you didn't want to yeah, be a Max, you BMX wanted a mongoose. Right. Um, it's just, I, I can't, under, I, I don't know. It just, those sounds that all that stuff I mentioned, it just, it taps it. And emotion and probably a lot of people like you and me like mm-hmm. just grew up with this picture in my head our heads of what that was like and then when we hear the sound it's like boom you're there you're like oh i'm back in that place remembering what that you know in my head what california was like and maybe people who aren't from the <laughs> sort of the uh the gray uh, parts of the country or had spent time in california or whatnot or maybe live in the south don't quite get it but uh yeah it was definitely uh it's a trigger every time i listen to them it's just one of the aspects that i think is so fun well and the the car culture aspect is also very dear yeah. to me because i grew up just loving classic cars owning one for a short period of time um and so all of the references to classic autos and vans and stuff like that is just you know hits me right in the wheelhouse but it also is from a bigger picture like when we grew up a car getting your car at 16 represented like you're getting your freedom now right like now you can drive yourself to the mall now you can drive yourself to the movies now you can do that take go to the concert and yep. so there's an aspect like when they do freedom of choice the cover at the end of this record which is so great that they like take this new wave song and turn it into this like anthem of it sounds like a skater car anthem um but it also represents this bigger idea of like once you get in the car man the whole country is your oyster and there's a cool aspect of that that i don't think is relevant anymore to i don't know if car culture is about that anymore i haven't gone to a car show or a a meetup in a long time because um, kids don't care about cars anymore or think of them in that way. Well, it feels it's like lost thing. The, the, the cars that are, are like the newer cars, like that are, are all the, um, like the skylines and the GSX and the, I don't even know if that's the right one, but you know, like it's all modern and newer cars, not classic cars. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm sure that there is, you know, that kind of cultures out there. It just doesn't feel as prevalent. Like that was a thing, even in Buffalo, we had like, on Thursday nights, there was a hot dog stand and there was a car night and you would, you yep. would just roll up in their Chevelles and their Bel Airs and you would be like, cool. Yep. But 
And uh, so seeing the imagery on nearly every album cover of theirs of classic cars or or instruments, you know, panels from cars or something like that, it, it has always yeah. struck a chord with me. Um, is there anything that doesn't work for you on the album? It feels front loaded. Um, I think the, a lot of the best songs are on the first half of the record. Uh, the second half isn't bad. It's just little, little not as strong. You know, a little bit more mm-hmm. indulgent. You know, the song with Weird Beard is fun, but not my favorite song on the record. hate it i didn't skip i don't skip it but it's still it's more like a goofiest kind of thing um the cover's cool to end the record with they are you know at 45 minutes with this record which is great for them they should never make a record that's longer than that right uh you know that's the only thing with this band like if i'm in a fu manchu mood it's going to be like i'm going to listen to one record and blast the hell out of it have a good time i'm not going to like go deep in their catalog for three days right? Um, just because it's just such a jolt of energy and this nostalgia. And it's such a specific sound that like I kind of get my fix and I go. Um, yes, I agree with you. Exactly. Like you have to have a come down after this. You can't listen to right. this. Con- if you do, <laughs> I worry for you. <laughs> You're going to break stuff. Yeah, seriously. Or break your leg trying to skateboard or something. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, when I listen to this, uh, it does make me want to go play drums like this in oh, ACDC because yeah. I feel like I can I can hit that beat like no, I, my <laughs> legs don't move. Right. But my my arms are like, I can get the beat. Well, I can kind of do that role that he's doing. Uh, I have never figured it, out how to make my legs work at the same time, though. Yeah, that's the trick with drumming. Um, the only other thing I would mention is I think the record sounds really good. It's mixed really well. It probably could use a remaster. I noticed mm-hmm. just when I crank it, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, extra muddiness in there that probably could be cleaned out with just a remaster. Yeah, the, I think uh, the the um, there's a lot of open hi-hat, and I yeah. think that could be a little crisper. I mean, that's yeah. a minor nitpick for me. It, only because I think, like, you can tell the sound, the tones are there and the mix mm-hmm. is there. Uh, it's just when I crank it, I start to hear some other stuff that I don't want to hear. And I think yeah. that's just a mastering thing that can be cleaned up. Uh, if they were to ever go back and want to do that, it would probably benefit from, an, from a nice remaster, but it still sounds great. Well, I know they did a re-release of um, the next record, California Crossing. They Even though that record is shorter it's actually 39 minutes they did a re-release with like a triple vinyl release with like a whole set of like basically demoing the the whole record um so you can hear the songs before because that was a that was a record where um they their person they were working with the producer said i want you to to workshop these like we're not writing these in the studio like workshop these songs get them tight so they did all that and they demoed them and then they went into the studio. So, um, but I don't think this album has gotten that treatment yet for whatever reason. Um, I think it's been reissued, but just as it was, but their stuff is yeah. hard to get like their, their store is sold out of all their stuff. And uh, if you go to Discogs, like to get that California crossing reissue, it's like $200. Like they're, 
they do limited runs. It's like the helicopters in that way. Like either you got it or yeah. you don't, which is frustrating. Yeah, I think they uh they have a pretty strong fan base and do a lot of work touring, so that makes sense. I don't have, I mean, other than a t- you know s- some small nitpicks about like you mentioned with the production, just like cleaning it up a little bit after all this time. Um, I don't really have any issues with the songs. I do agree with you. Like the best stuff is in the first five. Uh, all those songs are all killer, just absolutely killer tracks. Yeah. Um, and then the next five before the um, cover are definitely like solid songs. I think Drive is probably my favorite out of that one. Yeah. I don't dislike any of them. Um, uh, but they're they're good album tracks. So, but I, yep. I, I can't uh, dog any of them. So, uh, let's get an overall you're ratings. Hot, you're but, not going to hot dog them? I'm not going to hot dog them. <laughs> By the way, the video for Hell on Wheels, um, or maybe it's King of the Road, is just like live footage of them playing at different venues inter- interspersed with like custom cars doing burnouts. Like there's a, like a 1960s Ford Ranchero just doing a spinning burnout, and I'm like, come on, it's a Ranchero. <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah. So overall rating on this record, worthy album, better EP or decent single? I'm at a worthy album for sure. Uh, there's not, there's no skippers here. Like I said. It starts off super strong. It starts to mellow out towards the second half, but it ends strong with the cover, the Devo cover, We Have a Choice. Uh, it's a fun listen. It sounds great loud. It sounds great, you know, in crappy headphones. It sounds great in a, you know, my better headphones. It sounds great in a car. <laughs> it sounds great outside. Yep. Um, and it just, it's a good summer. I think most of your stuff, you know, it just makes you think of, like we mentioned, um, if you're, if you're someplace, someplace and you need a little burst of sunshine and maybe put a smile on your face, it's a definitely a good record to put on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is a top 25 band for me. And this to me is their best album. So this is 10 out of 10, no notes. <laughs> That's how I'm Boom. reading this. Uh, yeah. So I, I was happy when this came up because we haven't had a chance to talk about them, but I, this is a band I really, really love. So I have two, I have two Fu Manchu chief t-shirts. That's how much I enjoy them. You didn't wear one? The hell? They're both in the wash. Uh, the one, <laughs> one I just got is like this dude with a beard and something like 70 sunglasses. And he's got a joint tucked behind his ear. And I didn't. <laughs> Like I had just gotten this shirt, so I put it on and I wore it to my daughter's first theater performance. And as we're walking in, my wife looks at me, she goes, is that a joint on your shirt? And the usher looks at me and just starts laughing. What are you doing? Uh, so. And the other the other shirt I have is that of uh, the band skateboarding, which is totally appropriate. Um. So yeah, this is a, a great album by a great band. I'm glad we got to talk about it. And uh, we need to thank um, Adam Smith, written. who uh, nominated it. Thank you, Adam Smith. And uh, I appreciate your, uh, your uh, treatise on capitalism. And uh, hope that you... Uh, not Probably not the same Adam Smith from the uh, 1800s. <laughs> right. There yeah. might be another one. There might be another one. But thanks to everybody who voted and commented in this poll. Make sure to join us at Patreon if you would like to participate in one of these uh, uh, multi-level poll schemes that we've got going on, uh, where we've got uh, three rounds and then of nine and then our final six every uh, the last week of each month. And uh, you do that by going to uh, DMO.com or DigMeOutUnion.com. Um, a lot of stuff, and you can suggest an album at digmeoutpodcast.com by going to our suggest an album page and filling that out, and that'll go into the hopper. We're we're gonna rip through this hopper. I mean, we're doing almost thirty a month. We've got three hundred, 
So that'll get us in 10 months, we'll be tapped out. So we need to, we need to keep these going, <laughs> keep getting more suggestions. And of course, people can resubmit stuff that lost. That's, there's no rule against that. As long as it isn't the same person. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. I disqualify if it's the same person nominating the same record. So if Adam Smith loses a round, but Radam Biff suggests an album. <laughs> Don't even say that. <laughs> I'm just saying. We're on, we're, we're on the honor system here. Jim Medici. I got a 12-year-old uh, verifying all these records. Don't, <laughs> don't try to put one past her. She's tough. I, I heard she already has her CPA uh, uh, accounting uh, auditing license. So uh, I'm not going to try to sneak anything by. Uh, <laughs> if uh, Speaking of sneaking by, I don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, we sneak a newsletter to you every month, or excuse me, every week, called The Box. Uh, would you like to check out our box? We'd like you to. <laughs> it was so juvenile. Uh, yay, yay. I'm sorry, you called it that. That's what you named it. Of, of course, that's been know. on my mind the entire time. <laughs> I don't, everything in the 90s was box, something box. It's true. <coughs> Xbox. Candle box. <laughs> Boxing. Mat- Matchbox 20. Um. <laughs> Box Newsletter is a weekly newsletter of new releases by artists relevant to the 80s and 90s, plus two new reviews of albums, TV shows, books, movies, whatever our fancy takes us to or reviewing that week. Uh, you can get it in your email or you can join, it, uh, join us at uh, Patreon and uh, read it there. And last but not least, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some positive feedback about this particular podcast. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig Me Out.